You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. I'm Anthony Cashman, joined by Scott Merkin. Going to talk White Sox. But, Merck, I'd be remiss not to mention, uh, you know, obviously we've, we've had a, a good deal of fun poking fun at you for your uh, Eagles fandom and your uh, obsession with going to Eagles concerts. So condolences on the passing of Glenn Fry. That is a huge bummer for Eagles fans and music fans everywhere. Yeah, you know, I, I clearly didn't know him, although I felt like I did, having gone to eight shows over the years and uh, making a nice little commitment to their reunion tours and everything else. But just a great performer, always entertaining on stage, even though it was it's kind of like uh, seeing a comedian you like where you almost kind of know the punchlines already and you still laugh. You, you knew his <laughs> bit kind of on stage and what he was going to say, and they were still funny and entertaining. And, you know, never left an Eagle show unhappy. It's funny, music music can do that. You know, I mean... I think sports is kind of that outlet too, but sports also has that counterbalance where, you know, your team loses on a walk-off home run or a last-second shot, and you're angry for the next half hour, hour. In case of the in the case of the Fab Five, for the next week. Um, but you know, <laughs> music always just kind of if, if it's someone you like, like you're a fan with Bruce Springsteen or mine with the Eagles, it just kind of uplifts you when you, it's kind of a nice uh, escape for a little bit. And yeah, it's sad. It's it's sad. Put a lot of living into 67 years though, it seems. It is a sad, huge loss to the music industry. Even those of us who uh, who love to hate the Eagles uh, have to respect the big Lebowski crowd. <laughs> and in fact, Mark, uh, on my drive this morning, Take It Easy came on, and I, I listened to the full song in his honor and in your honor. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Let's move on to happier subjects. The White Sox, uh, of course, uh, uh, made a couple big acquisitions this winter, and we're taking a getting-to-know-you uh, theme with this week's podcast. So uh, let's start with Todd Frazier. And, uh, you know, we know the numbers, and I'm sure since this acquisition you've, uh, you know, done done quite a bit of studying up on, on Todd Frazier, the person and the player. But what, what intrigues you about him? And what do you, uh, as you gear up to go cover a, another spring training camp, what are you excited to learn about him? Well, one thing is he seems like a major college basketball fan, as I saw on Twitter last night that he was at yeah. the uh, Duke-Syracuse game. So, you know, that's kind of one of the meccas of college basketball, so you appreciate that. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, and this is no offense to the guys who have held spots before them because they've all had, you know, some moments, but I think he's going to provide consistency both offensively and defensively for the first time since Joe Creedy was over at third base. And it's a big spot. You know, they had too many, I don't want to say automatic outs, but they had too many spots in the lineup last year where they just couldn't count on consistent offense. And some would argue they still have too many of them, but I, I think it's improved. And I think Frazier is, you know, maybe one of the bigger acquisitions overall in terms of what he means to the team and the position he's filling for any team in the offseason, I think. You know, just, not just an impact bat, not just a guy who's going to hit his share of long balls and uh, I mean, home runs at U.S. Cellular Field, but good defensive third baseman, which they, you know, struggled with at the beginning of last year. Connor Gillespie had some plantar fasciitis issues and, really kind of put them in a hole early, part of the overall thing. It wasn't just kind of Gillespie, but also a good athlete, and from what I hear, a great clubhouse guy. So it was a, you know, they gave up three solid young players, but it was it was the move they had to make to, to take a step forward. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy covering Todd Frazier very much. Very, very fun guy, very nice guy, uh, and a terrific player at a, at a premium position. Uh, speaking of premium positions, though, shortstop uh, doesn't appear Tim Anderson will be in the opening day outlook, but you could certainly make a case that, that he'll be an important player for the White Sox, uh, you know, maybe as soon as 2016. Uh, what, what do you know about Tim Anderson, you know, strengths, weaknesses, 
uh, in his game because obviously uh, this, this could be the, the this year could be the first chance for the casual White Sox fan to get a, a real look at him. Yeah, I've read a couple times in the offseason that the Sox should take a look at him, even out of spring training. And trust me, they they look at everyone, and you know they'll give they'll give opportunities if they're not shy on promoting people if the if the time is right and they earn the spot. They have a good defensive guy and a guy who can hit a little bit, you know, when given the chance in Tyler Saladino. But I think Anderson really has that chance to be a dynamic presence in the lineup. You know, just kind of all parts of the offense. Has a little bit of extra base power, has great speed. The thing with Tim, though, is he doesn't have a ton of baseball experience. He came from, you know, he was drafted after just two years at junior college. He was a basketball player also in high school. So the biggest focus on him is could he stay at short? You, you, you You draft these guys who are considered, you know, quote unquote athletes more so than baseball experience. And you start hearing, well, he made, you know, 22 errors in his first 63 games at short. You know, that's a center fielder with all his athleticism. Maybe they'll move him to center. But to Tim's credit, he was dead set against that, and he fought to kind of earn that, you know, position. And Rick Hahn talked about this, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn talked about this during the year, and that, you know, he went from kind of questionable at the first part to now at this point into his, you know, a couple years into his tenure in the White Sox system where you know he belongs there. Yeah, I mean, he's got tons of room to develop, obviously, but people are now looking at him, you know, outside the organization as a shortstop as well. You're not hearing the rumbling you used to about, well, maybe he's better suited in another position. This this appears to be the White Sox shortstop of the future and maybe the present in the not-too-distant, you know, future. Yeah, just from a raw uh, error count, he, he made some strides, it looks like, uh, last season at the double-A level. Uh, another new face, Merck, is in the TV booth, uh, Jason Benetti, replacing Hawk Harrelson uh, for home games this year. What can you tell us about Benetti and, and this arrangement where uh, the Hawk will be uh, road games only? Well, I think it's, I think he gets, Benetti gets uh, home games in the Toronto series, and Hawk has home opener, road games, and the two Cubs-Sox games, I believe, at U.S. Cellular Field. Benetti, I have to say, uh, some pride for myself because he went to the same high school as I did, Homewood Plossmore High School. <laughs> he also was part of the same uh, – Radio, great radio program, one of the best high school radio programs in the country, WHFH, and that produced like four or five people covering sports in the uh, Chicago market right now, including my youngest brother, who's assistant program director at a radio station, sports radio station in Chicago. But, you know, he sounds like a good kid. I listened to him on the uh, Michigan State-Iowa basketball game. He does work for ESPN. And um, interesting story, you know, I, I don't think he wants this to be the focus, but he doesn't shy away from it, but he, he does have cerebral palsy and he has, you know, reached out. He, 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 I don't know if he serves as kind of a role model or an inspiration as much as he just shows that, you know, it's something you deal with and you, you tackle the challenge and move on and just live life. But remember when you talk to you, he's a, he's a very good announcer, and I think it's going to be different styles. You know, as, as Brooks Boyer said, who, who kind of is, oversees the broadcasting, you know, Hawk is more of a, a storyteller. We all know that. And, mm-hmm. you know, draws on his many, many decades of experience throughout baseball. And, Jason's going to be more the, I think, prototype, prototypical play-by-play man, more kind of the, the setup to Steve Stone, who is back as the, uh, as the analyst for the broadcast. So I think it's a good combination for both teams. And, I, and Hawk is excited about it. Hawk, you know, uh, has an interesting situation where he lives near South Bend, Indiana, home of the Fighting Irish, which is about a, you know, a 95-mile drive in your direction. He would make that commute back and forth. As a matter of fact, many times he'd tell me that he'd put on a – serious on the drive home and listen to his buddy Vin Scully calling the Dodgers games. But he, um, it just became a little tiring. So that's why instead of taking the home games, he you know, chose to do the road games. And he lives in South Bend because that's where his grandkids live and he wants to be closer to them. And 
this split will provide him with more time. And, you know, uh, an interesting little side note is that he's going to sort of be uh, at the few home games he attends or whatever home games he decides to attend, he's going to be sort of an unofficial ambassador where he'll be able to deal with the fans and that kind of thing. He won't be in the booth, but he'll be able to, you know, talk to the, the White Sox nation there. So it's an interesting move, and it was one that Fox said he started thinking about before the 15 season. He was so excited by the moves Rick Hahn made, he decided to stay for the whole thing, and it just seemed like the right time now to, to make the change. It is a unique arrangement, but uh, it sounds like a good one for all involved. Uh, uh, and, and, yeah, those, <laughs> the short walk to the ballpark on the road certainly beats the 90-mile uh, drive to the ballpark at home for the Hawk. Uh, a couple last things, Mark, just kind of catching up on business here. Uh, the, the latest, uh, now that the outfield market is moving with the Tigers signing Justin Upton, you think that increases the urgency for the White Sox to go after uh, one of your new candidates? I know Cespedes has, has always been viewed as sort of a long shot, but uh, you look at the second-tier options, uh, Dexter Fowler, Austin Jackson. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the White Sox next move? You know, I wrote a column yesterday that many disagreed with and that I said, you know, the Sox are a pretty solid team with the moves they made. I think people are kind of overlooking the Todd Frazier edition, the Brett Laurie edition. Tyler Flowers did a nice job behind the plate, but you you know apparently are adding more offense with Navarro and Avila. But it's it's sort of like Anthony going to a concert and you're like you know hey you have X you know Y and Z playing, but then if you add the Eagles and Bruce Springsteen in, well it's even a better concert then right. So I think that's how you kind of look at Suspendus. Obviously he can help that team. There's no question about it. He's an impact bat and would make a difference. Will he turn them from 84, 85 wins to 92 wins? You know I don't think he does that, but certainly he helps. In the scheme of that, you know, it, 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 it's a weird market in that you hear different things from different people. I've heard, you know, the Sox have, are, are kind of staying at that three years, somewhere around $20 million offer. I've also heard that they're done making moves for the offseason. So, you know, it, it, it depends on, I guess, what the process goes through. But I, I still think, I wouldn't say a long shot, I would say they're not the favorite to land Cespedes at this point. And, again, you know, I think they've made moves to make themselves a contender. I think they were a – you know, uh, they were not a good team last year, but they had some things that maybe skewed that in the wrong direction. You know, LaRoche had a bad season. Eaton and Cabrera had an awful start. Um, Garcia had a very uneven season that could, you know, point up in 2016. But, yeah, I mean, adding another bat would certainly help. If nothing, even if it's not Cespedes, even if it's some complementary piece that you can use with Garcia and Wright, would certainly make sense, as well as maybe, you know, another arm, whether it be bullpen or starting rotation. All right, still a lot of intrigue surrounding the White Sox as we inch closer to camp opening up in Glendale, Arizona. Mr. Merck will be there. I want to thank him for joining us. Take it easy, Merck. And everybody out there listening, thanks for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.